For more resources, visit rym.org. The Local Youth Worker is a daily podcast that's centered on five questions each week. Ranging from the practical to the professional, we're looking for answers to the questions you're asking. Whether you're in full-time, part-time, or even volunteer youth ministry, this podcast is for you. Hey everybody, welcome back. Uh, talking to Walt Mueller this week, and we've been discussing uh, a lot of issues related to uh, pornography. Uh, Walt, uh, we know that many of the s- statistics are, are telling us that those who struggle with porn, uh, both you know inside and outside the church, are about the same. Uh, that is, you know, Christians seem to be looking at pornography just as much as, as non-Christians. And I know there's, I think, a statistic. I think it was 54% of pastors are admitting that they. Uh, you know, look at pornography at least once a year or a few times a year. Um, and so uh, pastors are struggling uh, with this issue. And so what, what, what's some advice and encouragement you would like to give to those you know, serving in youth ministry uh, that are struggling with pornography? And we also you, you want to mention that we know this is not just a male issue. We know females struggle with this. And um, I know as we were kind of talking in between, Ellen Dykus um, at Harvest USA has been uh, very helpful to point out. We want to be sensitive as we're, you know, two males discussing this. We want to be sensitive to our sisters in Christ who are struggling with this and um, acknowledge that, uh, um, yeah, this isn't just a male issue. Um, so just some advice there, uh, those serving in youth ministry who are, you know, trying to minister to these students who are struggling with this, but they are struggling as well. Yeah, this and and there's obviously this becomes more pervasive you know the the ability to access this stuff and as we talked earlier in a different podcast about affordability accessibility anonymity uh we need to be aware of this so and, and just a couple of comments there on how widespread this is you mentioned um male and female and it used to be that the statistics were really the scale was really tipped mm-hmm. Uh, if I may say, in favor of the males, that it was statistically many, many more males percentage-wise who were engaging with pornography and engaging with pornography that was typically visual pornography. And we were hearing that there were fewer uh, women percentage-wise and that they were not drawn so much to visual pornography as they were to literary pornography or what's called erotica, I guess. So you know, that could be anything from the Harlequin romance novels of years past that, you know, if you go into a used bookstore, boy, you sure can't find them, huh? <laughs> and um, so those, and then more recently, you know, within the last five, six years, the Fifty Shades of Grey books and the series and the films. And and um, it's actually, and I can't quote a statistic on this, John, but it's actually evening out now. And so the, so the scale is tipping to become more even. I don't know how even it is uh, statistically, but I know it's tipping. And I also know that the visual pornography is now becoming much more of an issue with females. And with what we're learning about the human brain and neuroplasticity, the way the brain is wired, and how we can, through our behaviors, 
rewire our brains. Um, and, and that can either be great news or it can be bad news. And certainly uh, both sin and repentance are involved in that process. I mean, there's theological realities there. Um, we, we know that the, that the visual is really um, changing the male brain, but it's also now, and there's some research coming out on this, changing the female brain as well. And so we can only conjecture where that's going to go, but we can know that the destination, while we may not know where it is, it's going to be bad. Mm. Yeah, and let me jump in before you give some advice there. Just something, maybe a thought that's maybe encouraging about this, as you're saying the scales are kind of evening out between males and females. You know, I'm sure some of that, you know, the statistics you said when they were more in favor of of men, I'm sure some of that were females didn't feel uh, that they could speak up about this and speak up that they could share this. And so we know that there are, uh, females now that are producing literature that are being more outspoken saying, look, you need to, to feel safe in uh, admitting the struggle and in coming forth. And so hopefully some of the positive in that is um, people, at least in the church, are getting the message of, um, you know, you can speak. This is a safe place to come and, and to seek help and to, to speak on this. And so obviously we want to encourage both males and females. I mean, that's where uh, the fight against the struggle begins is speaking up seeking help, talking to somebody. Um, and so, you know, obviously wanting to encourage that. And so, um, yeah, any advice you want to give, Walt, uh, again, those uh, who are struggling in this area? Yeah. Um, well, the first thing is for those who are not, and that would be don't think that you're immune to this mm-hmm. uh, because that's the most dangerous Good. Yes. decision you can make because now you're opening yourself up. Um and again, I would say what I've said before, and that is we all struggle because we're all sexual beings. We all struggle with sexual brokenness at some level. And some of us struggle more with certain things and others struggle more with other things. So don't think that you're immune. That, that would be the first thing. But then for those who struggle, I think to get accountability, to get this out in the open, to, to talk to someone about it and to you know, enlist the help of friends who can walk you through this, friends who are bent not on condemnation, but friends who are bent on showing the grace of Christ and leading you to an understanding of how Christ has taken these things on himself on the cross. And because of that, we're, we're seen as, as righteous by God. You know, we've been adopted as sons and daughters. I mean, the, the gospel is beautiful in this. Now, that doesn't mean that the struggle will cease. I think for some it does, for others it continues. And that's where you need to get the help that you need to make sure this happens. So counseling is huge. But I want to say this. Just because someone is a Christian counselor doesn't mean they're a good counselor. Good. That could be a whole other podcast, John. <laughs> Absolutely. That's where I could I could go off on some things. I mean, a lot of people are getting counseling now and Christian counseling training in some very suspect ways. And I would venture to say some of that includes some of the online training that's there. I, I, I have strong feelings on that. But anyway, let me let me go back and just say, <laughs> find someone who is well-trained and who has experience in this. And it, Christian counselors are a dime a dozen right now. Counselors are a dime a dozen. 
And it, it used to be, I'd say, find someone who sees the scriptures. And I heard someone else say this, I'm stealing it. I can't remember who I would say it years ago, but find someone who sees the scriptures as the source of the solution rather than as part of the problem. Because there are many counselors who would write off, you know, Christianity as and gospel message as, you know, part of the solution or the solution. So now I'm saying find a Christian counselor who's gospel centered, gospel based, who's been well trained and who has experience in dealing with these things. And I would say also go to some of the organizations that are most helpful. And Harvest USA would be one of the first ones I would point you to, harvestusa.org, because they've been dealing with sexual brokenness as a counsel, well, not a counseling organization, but as a resource um, for since the late 1970s. And these are people who recognize their own sexual brokenness, all of them. Uh, whether that's heterosexual, same-sex attracted, or whatnot, and they've dealt with a pornography issue. Um, these folks would be really helpful to you as well. Yeah. But find some help. And, you know, it, let me throw one more thing in here, if that's okay. And that is that if your pornography issue or any sort of sexual brokenness as a youth worker is putting you in a situation where you know you're attracted to kids, you know you're attracted to parents, you are feeling strong, strong inclinations and pressures to cave to these desires and engage in, you know, sinful behavior, run, you know, get out. And one of the reasons why I say that is it's it's not just to do the right thing, it's to keep you from doing the wrong thing. And I tell youth workers this all the time. You are just one bad decision away from being a newspaper headline. And, and John, you know, I've shared this with you. You know, I, I went on a Google image search about five years ago for youth pastor, and I was surprised at what popped up at the time was a quarter to a third of what I saw on the screen of the images that came up were youth pastors and they were mug shots. Um, that, that really, that really hit me pretty hard. And, you know, I know my own vulnerabilities and I pray that God would reveal my own vulnerabilities to me more, more deeply all the time, because I know they're there and I have to know them. So, um, and make up your mind now that we talked in an earlier podcast about fleeing Make up your mind now that if you face this scenario, that scenario, this scenario, flee from it. And youth workers, do not put yourself in positions where you're with a student alone. Mm. Um, boy, that's one way youth ministry has changed since I got started. Mm. You know, we have to think about this now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and kind of, I mean, you, you talking about getting help, and I mean, you mentioned, you know, counselors. Um, any advice? I know that, uh, you know, this has been discussed on this podcast, and, and a lot of people highlight this, of those who are in ministry uh, don't, do not feel like there's a lot of places they can go within their church to admit that they're struggling um, and seeking accountability. You know, for, for some in the ministry, I mean, if they open up about their struggle, I mean, there, there are those church contexts where they can ask them to step down or whatever, and without a doubt, there, there are times where people do need to step down um, and that's something, you know, we'll discuss a little bit more tomorrow. But just advice to those 
um, youth workers who are struggling and thinking, you know, can I seek accountability from a group of friends in the local church or should I go outside? Um, you know, to people who aren't even in your same state, maybe online and or, or however. Just some advice there, some thoughts there. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, and I'm not sure I'm equipped to answer well. Um, I, by the way, I've learned how to answer that answer questions that way. You know, if, if someone asks me a question, I don't have to have an answer. I can say I'm not sure. But that said, um, I think a lot. I, I would guess that the answer to that question varies because a lot depends on your church and your church culture. Because I think there are some churches that are far too grace-based, uh, if if that's possible. I know that sounds strange, but you know, you, you know what I'm saying oh, there. You know, we're gonna let anything slide. Nah, no worries. Don't worry about it. And there are some far some churches that are far too law-based, and they're not going to show grace. And I think a lot depends on the kind of church that you're in. And I would hope that churches would would really work hard. I mean, I'm fortunate to be in a church where grace and law, grace and truth are really well balanced and discipline is done well. And that's one of the great things about our reformed system when it operates properly. And I've seen that in my church and I'm blessed to be a part of of a place like that. Um, Yeah, I'm not sure. And, and, you know, I I will say this, another thing, if if you get asked to leave, don't go running somewhere else to jump in and do ministry where they'll let you. Um, you got to deal with yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we deal with ourselves or we're dealt with too quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's wise. I mean, basically just using wisdom, using discernment, um, knowing your church culture. But also, too, I mean, if you're if there's a if there's a youth worker listening to this and they're um, they realize, OK, this is becoming a big struggle and I can't get control over it. Um, we need to encourage those youth workers to speak up and say, you know, this could cost you your job, but um, you're putting yourself in danger, you're putting your students in danger. And so um, uh, not to just seek to try to, you know, cover this up and keep it in the dark and it's just going to grow. Um, but maybe some of that will get into um, the discussion we'll have tomorrow of, of when yeah. when is the point uh, when you might need to step down from ministry uh, because of this struggle. So uh, before we get into that tomorrow, anything else you want to add, Walt, as we close out? No, I just appreciate uh, the time to have this discussion because I do think it's important. Mm, absolutely. Well, thank, yeah, thanks again. Essential.